17 weeks, Jalen Ramsey. Mic check, one, two. From uninterrupted, this is 17 Weeks, the show that gives you the real-time perspective of NFL stars living through the weekly grind of the season. I'm your host, Nate Burleson. You've probably seen me on your TV screen talking football, and I played over a decade in the league and did my fair share of interviews, but uninterrupted didn't exist back then. That meant we needed the media to share our opinions on the game that we love. But that's all changed. Now, athletes can do it right here on 17 Weeks. That's exactly what Jalen Ramsey has been doing for us. He hasn't been holding back anything on all the trade talk in Jacksonville. It's not facts talking. A lot of these times, it's just outlandish bullshit, to be honest. Out of NYC, we've got Le'Veon Bell laying out his thoughts on the Jets on three start. I've been sensing a lot of people want to see the New York Jets fail, they'll see me fail. We got to put everything together, and once we put everything together, I think we'll be fine. And in Buffalo, Bills wideout Cole Beasley is getting ready for the Patriots' D in a matchup of undefeated division rivals. I know nobody wants to believe it's just like any other game for us, but, I mean, in our eyes, it's no different. Later in the show, Cole Beasley is joined by his teammate and fellow wideout Isaiah McKenzie to chop it up on the Bills' 3-0 start and much more. Well, being six foot, that um, that kind of, (laughs) I mean... (laughs) He's not six foot. (laughs) And as always, I might share a story or two about my playing days in the league. This is 17 Weeks. Before we get to this episode, quick timeout. 17 Weeks is brought to you by Uninterrupted, SiriusXM, and Pandora. New episodes drop every Thursday. You can listen to them on demand on SiriusXM and for free on the Pandora app. Wherever you listen, be sure to subscribe, rate five stars, and share the show too while you're at it. All right, let's get to the show. Last week, Jalen Ramsey and the Jags were locked in a trade dispute that had the whole league talking. But as for now, he's still in Jacksonville, which means he's still playing hard for the Jags. Thursday night, Jalen played a good game and forced a fumble in the Jags' Week 3 win over the Titans. Despite all the talking heads going crazy, Jalen did his best to tune out the noise and stay focused on the matchup. It was kind of a struggle to kind of clear my mind, try to meditate a little bit, try to you know, kind of read the Bible and just pray on it and talk to God for a little bit. But I was trying uh, my best to clear my mind and, and try to get ready for the game as best as I could. I feel like I did an okay job at that. I It was still a lot on my mind, honestly. Um, arriving at the stadium and, and going through warm-ups, all type of emotions going on. But once I got on that field, once the, you know, we had our first defensive snap, yeah, I mean, everything just, I just kind of locked in. I say the emotion really came from the unknowns, not knowing if that was going to be the last game with my teammates, not knowing how the fans would interact out there. Would I be getting booed out there? Would I be getting cheers out there? Just not knowing the speculation and all the talk going on and leading up to it, not knowing how uh, focused my teammates will remain through all the distractions that everybody tried to create. So it was more so the unknown that gave me a lot of emotion. All right, story time. When I was playing with the Detroit Lions, and Dominican Sue was on our squad, and he was a beast, a defensive juggernaut, just like Jalen Ramsey. But here's the thing, though. 
And Dominican Sue kind of rubbed people the wrong way when he got in the league. Y'all remember. Always playing through the whistle. And if you listen to me talk about him in the past, I've always thought I'd ride with him in his mistakes because I love a guy that's passionate. It's very similar to Jalen Ramsey. There's people that are in that locker room that love him. That's family. That's their brother. And they'll ride with him until the wheels fall off. But there's people outside of that locker room saying, Jags, what are you doing? Here's another spoiled athlete that wants things his way. He's brash. He talks too much. I don't know if he's good for your team or good for the coach. Man, I disagree. And sometimes you need a dude whose piss runs a little hot. When Sue left, it was hard to replace that. If Jalen leaves, it's hard to replace that. But the simple fact that he talks the talk and then steps on the field and backs it up by walking that walk, that's why they're trying to make it work. I hope he stays because years from now, the Jags will look back and think to themselves, damn, we traded away one of the best corners of his era? We'll see. Jalen and the Jags front office remain at a standstill. The question to Jalen now, was Thursday night his final game as a Jag? I'm not sure if I've played my final game for the Jags yet or not, but my trade request still stands. For me, respect is a, is a huge thing. Uh, I kind of touched on it a little bit last week in last week's podcast, but uh, once respect is lost uh, for both parties, I think it's time to part ways. I'm going to continue being a top corner in this league for years to come. The money will come, but money isn't everything. Uh, peace and happiness uh, means a lot more than the money. On top of all of the conflicting emotions, Jalen has been unable to report to practice due to flu-like symptoms. Then his back and hamstrings started acting up. More fuel for his critics. Was truly sick. Had the flu, was throwing up. Threw up at least four times. Had the shits. Uh, had to go to the doctor. Had to get IVs. Had to take all type of medicines. Eat chicken noodle soup. Do all the remedies that I could do. So that wasn't fake, as people might think. I don't know. People can get a mixed uh, view or a screwed view on the players or uh, the organization or or whoever uh, during tough times like this. That's why I've tried to keep it all positive, even in my press conferences on this podcast, try to keep it all positive and just give a little insight. And so I'm going to keep it that way uh, just because people thinking this or that, let, they can think what they want to think and be miserable in their own time. I'm going to keep it all positive, man. It's only only positive vibes and positive energy all 2019. It's not just about Jalen. All this trade talk has analysts thinking about the whole future of the league. Here's what Hall of Fame quarterback Steve Young had to say. This is the NBA now. He went on to say the NFL is going to have to come together as a league and say, we're not going to do this because it will be insane. Every guy that's on a bad team's like, get me out of here. Jalen didn't hold back in his response. The NBA's culture is dope. Like, let's not, let's not get it twisted. I think everybody... Uh, in the world knows that the NBA has one of the dopest cultures uh, in all of sports. I, I don't really get uh, that being a negative thing. I mean, these people get on TV nowadays and they talk they talk just opinions, which is fine. Everybody can have their opinion, but it's not facts talking. Uh, a, lot, a lot of these times it's just outlandish uh, bullshit, to be honest, by a lot, a lot of people. Not saying uh, that's what he was getting on TV to do, but uh, that's that's his opinion. He can have that opinion if he wants. Uh, I know there may be some people who agree with his opinion. I know there's probably a lot of people who don't agree with his opinion. So, uh, hey, I'm not going to knock him because he has an opinion, but 
me personally, I don't agree with it. Our other co-hosts, Cole Beasley and Le'Veon Bell, have a bunch going on with the Bills and the Jets, but they also jumped in on this idea that the NFL is turning into the NBA. Here's Cole. I don't really know if players demanding trades are bad for the game. I mean, a, a team can cut a guy at any time they want if they aren't happy with a player, but if a player isn't happy with the team, they shouldn't demand a trade. doesn't make much sense, but, I mean, it's kind of how the business works, but... Um, at the end of the day, a player can demand it, but it's still up to the team to trade that player. If they don't trade the player, there isn't much that can be done for us. You know, we still have to perform at a high level or other teams in the future won't really want to work with us either. So it's kind of a it's kind of a tough deal. I mean, the demanding trade part isn't really an issue because the team doesn't have to do that. You know, you can't you can't really blame a player for wanting to do what's best for him uh, at the end of the day because, you know, a, a team is going to do that at any given moment all day so you know that's just that's just what it is and if if my teammate was was demanding a trade I probably know why so I wouldn't really you know I wouldn't really worry about it you know they're still going to do their job as long as they're there at least for all the teammates that I've been around that have been in that situation so I mean you really don't, you really don't have any other choice but to but to still bring your A game and perform every day. After the win on Thursday, Jalen had a chance to reflect on his time in Jacksonville with some of his teammates and get their thoughts on his decision. We were just kind of living in the moment, sinking in the moment of, man, if the, if this is the last one or if this was the last one, it's been an honor to play alongside those guys. It's been a good ride. It's been fun. A few years playing alongside those guys. So we kind of just sinking in in the moment and, and just enjoying that win at the time. After the trade... Request went through and it hit the media and it kind of blew up um, throughout the week last week. I, I mean, majority of my teammates, uh, I, I'm pretty close with all the guys. I had either told them previously already uh, just so they wouldn't be blindsided by it or if they did, you know, hear about it and come holler at me. Uh, they all showed their support, honestly. Uh, it was not one teammate who didn't show their support. Um, they understand. And uh, at the end of the day, it's a business. I'm sure it was a little battling of emotions for some of them as well, but they all definitely were super supportive no matter what. Um, that, and that was something I, I really appreciated. They were all super supportive and understanding. And while Lev Bell can see where Jalen is coming from, his mindset is a little different. I guess when people kind of compare it to the NBA, I mean, so be it. They're both, you know, worldwide organizations, you know, associations, you know what I'm saying, leagues. You kind of go where the money is and you're, you kind of go where the market is or you kind of go join a team, you know, that's like a powerhouse and things like that. That's kind of how the NBA did, you know, would go to state and then Miami Heat a couple years ago. And I wouldn't necessarily say it's bad for the for the NFL. It's not bad. It's It makes people want to watch it. You know, when you hear Odell gets traded to the Browns, instantly everybody wants to watch the Browns now, right? So how is that bad for the NFL? You know, it's just different. It's different than, you know, when Steve Young was playing. And I obviously understand where he's coming from and his side of it. Literally, when I think of Jalen Ramsey, I'm thinking of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think it would look awkward with him with a different uniform, for real. I, I, I wouldn't want to see him in another uniform. You know, that 20 and that, and that green and black look, you know, they, he looked lit in, them, in that uni. You know what I'm saying? But it's kind of like whatever makes him happy. And it's just me personally. But I'm not going to be a guy who kind of demands trades Unless it's like something so south. I think Jalen, he said he want, he demanded a trade because um, he want to win football games, which is totally understandable. I do too. I want to win football games too. But my approach with it is um, a lot different than his. I want to be a 
kind of looked at as a guy that helped turn the team around. I, I mean, I had an opportunity in free agency. I could have went to the to the Patriots or I could have went to the Chiefs or, you know, the Rams or anybody. I could have went somewhere like that. But don't get me wrong. I want to win Super Bowls. Like That's ultimately why we want to play. But I don't necessarily want the easy route to win a Super Bowl. You know, while I'm with the Jets right now, we're, we're sitting at 0-3, whatever. I want to be, like, looked at as, like, a guy who helped turn that around and we move forward, you know, not necessarily demand a trade to go to a team who's necessarily maybe 3-0. and I think if you're doing your job, you know, everything can be smooth. You know, I'm not performing as great as I could be performing right now. If Jalen feels like, you know, he's in that in a spot where he's performing at his best and there's literally nothing he can do, then I understand where he's coming from. Now to New York, where Lev Bell and the Jets head into their bye week at 0-3 after a tough loss to the Pats. The bye week probably came right on time for Lev Bell and the gang green. Sam Darnold is getting over mono, key players on the D are banged up, and the whole team needs a reset in to clean up their mistakes. Lev isn't ducking it. This bye week is a relief for the team. Before the season even started, I was so upset when I seen the schedule. We had a bye week week four. I was so upset. Um... Just because of the fact that I was thinking, like, dang, why do we have a bye week so early? But now, you know what I'm saying, that we're here, I mean, we have, you know, when our quarterback is sick, CJ went down. It's been a lot of injuries. And, you know, um, even even with myself, like, me just playing with this shoulder right now, I think when I get a whole week off and not have to worry about getting hit on it again, like, just everything's going to, like, reset and everybody better refocus and get healthy and we, it's like it'll be a new season for us. Right after the bye week, it'll be a new season. Everybody kind of reset. Okay, we got 13 games left. All the things we done done wrong, all the things we have done negatively, and we're going to take all that and we're going to try to detail it up and get better. And on top of that, we're going to get a lot of players back. Now that hindsight is 2020, I love that we had the bye week week four. I just pray that, you know, Everybody takes this bye week seriously. And when I say that, I mean, like, literally rest on the bye week. I'm not even going to lie. I'm a, I'm a guy who loves playing basketball, and I love, you know, being active all the time and running. And But I'm going to be super smart with the, way I, with the way I handle things, just understanding the fact that the bye week is early. We still have 13 games left um, regular season, you know, and that's not even counting playoffs. So everybody got to embrace the bye week, um, and we move forward from that. After the game, Lev tweeted this message to his critics. All you haters, enjoy it for now. Just don't go Casper when all this gets turned around. We embrace adversity. We embrace the hate. And everyone wants to see my team fail or me fail individually. I'll remember it. We'll remember it all and use it and wear it as a badge of honor. Now, here's the thing about Lev that I can appreciate. Because a lot of guys would tweet that and they're really sensitive. If you think about Lev over the last couple years... Lev set out of football, walked away from $14.5 million, and everybody was tearing him up. Every time they were saying something, every time they was dogging him, oh, you idiot, typical player, spoiled. How you gonna walk away from $14 million? Lev ain't really a stealer. Hate that guy. Hope he fails. And Lev just sat back and chilled. So the fact that he says, we embrace the hate, we embrace adversity, Lev already been through this. So I believe every single word. And you know what else? When guys tweet, 
They're not tweeting the world and social media and the dude in his drawers in his mama's basement. Nah, they put out stuff on purpose so their team could see it. The loss to the Patriots also gave Lev a little bit of perspective on where they are versus where they want to be, especially compared to a disciplined team like New England. Here's Lev on the champs. Getting ready for the Patriots, is, I mean, you're going to prepare as you would prepare for anyone, right? But it's not the way I'm going to prep for them. It's just understanding that they're not going to hurt themselves. The Patriots don't do that. Like, the Patriots, they play fundamental football. They're all going to be in their gap. They're all going to be where they're supposed to be, and they're going to make you execute. So a lot of coaches, really, when it's like second and 10 or something, they try to get a little change. What I mean by change is like they try to get some yards back. You might even run the ball again. Right? You say, so if you run the ball again, say if you get six, say if you get six yards and run, it's third and four. The Patriots will live with that because they're like, okay, it's third and four. We stop them when it's down, we off the field. You're not going to keep converting third downs. Like third downs are tough to get. When you're on the details, you're able to execute and you're able to make the plays that present themselves. That's what the Patriots live off of, even on their offensive side. If you watch Tom Brady play, he takes what the defense gives him. He doesn't force anything. So they're going to run the ball. And everybody talks about Tom Brady a lot in the Patriots just because he is their, like the face of their franchise. And, you know, he's been there for a long time. But if you watch the Patriots play and just really watch them and study them, they're like a running team. Like they're a team that runs the ball. Tom Brady is able to play action or run a run pass option because you're so, as a defense, you're really worried about the run. And he's able to find guys wide open because, okay, now guys have been on the play action fake. So I got a guy wide open over the middle. I got a guy to the left of the seam. And that's really one of the rare teams that I'm playing in this league who every time I play them, they're, they're like that. It takes like leaders. As a New York Jet that I am now, I feel like why would it not be me to be the guy who kind of lead this team to make sure I'm doing everything correct? You know, if I'm out there and I'm not you know, making any mistakes and I'm playing, you know, with perfect detail. And then I, I'm going I'm to I'm be allowed to hold other people accountable. Right now, you know, I feel like I even got to get better. The Jets aren't the only New York team going up against the Pats early in the season. In Buffalo, the undefeated Bills have their toughest test of the year as they prep for Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and the defending Super Bowl champs. Here's our boy Cole Beasley on getting ready for the Pats. You know, a lot of people, they want to hype up the game us first the Pats, and they want to make it something different than what it really is. And I know nobody wants to believe it's just like a, any other game for us, but that's really what it comes down to. It's, it's you know, just the process of preparing each week, um, just like it was the week before. It's really, I mean, in our eyes, it's no different um, other than the color of the uniform which with how we approach the week and um, how we go about each day. So yeah, I know people want to hear that it's, that it's different, but it's really not for us, you know, we wouldn't be doing our jobs the right way if we made it different from one team um, to the next. It has to be the same. Now, Cole, I love you, fam. You're my guy. We go way back. We like brothers. But I completely disagree with you. Now, I get it. The approach. The approach is the same. Of course. But when you face a team like the Pats, your mind changes because they're so good. Cole, you know like I knew what do coaches say when you face a bad team. Hey, beat up on the teams you're supposed to beat up on. This game, we need to get this dub. But when you're facing a team like the Patriots, what do they say when you walk in that building? Hey, it's Patriot Week. 
every detail counts. And the smallest, the smallest mistakes can lose us this game. That's why prepping for a team like the Pats has always been more stressful. Is the week the same? Yeah, every week's the same. But the preparation, that's what takes it to a hoe, not the lepo. Cole Beasley has built a career on making the most out of his talent and refining his skill set, paying attention to all of the small details. This dude is 5'8", 180 pounds, and he's one of the best in the league at getting a step on his defenders and getting open. How does Cole do it? Uh, well, me, you know, being the stature and the size that I am, you know, separation is key for me, and that's that's what my game is. So um, really getting se- separation is all about attacking a DB's leverage and keeping his hands off of you. Um, good discipline at the top of the route. You know, these guys are paid too. They study they study you just like you study them, and they're constantly looking for any tips that can give away the route you're running. Um, you know, maybe at the top, if you, if you look down before you break, if you drop your hands before you break. Um, but really, a good release is key. You know, once you get a DB chasing you and out of control trying to catch up, you got them right where you want them. The Bills wouldn't have picked up the dub without their talented young quarterback, Josh Allen. Allen has his fair share of critics, though. But as a 6'5 mobile quarterback with a strong arm, Cole sees a lot to like. Oh, his elite skill is his arm, no question. Duke can throw it through any window if he wants to. Um, and he can throw it downfield. He can, he can throw it probably through a DB if he needed to. He's definitely up there with the best arms in the league. First week I got there, I had to tell him to tone it down a little bit. Well, we were just routes on air, and I was I was about five yards away from him. Um, I got my head around, and it came at me so fast. I was like, dude, I was like, if there's linemen in there, you know, it's going to be, I won't see you sometimes. And if I just see that ball kind of coming over the line, it's going to be hard for me to react that quick to catch it. Josh Allen is in his second year, which in most seasons will make him one of the most inexperienced starting quarterbacks in the league. But with guys like Daniel Jones, Gardner Minshew, Kyler Murray, the list goes on. Not this year. As one of the league's top defensive backs, our guy Jalen Ramsey has a unique perspective on all the young signal callers in the NFL, both as a competitor and as a football fan. I'm a big fan of Deshaun Watson just because the way he plays the, the game, he can run, he can pass, escape the pocket, escape sacks. I mean, it's nothing that I don't think there's anything that he can't do. Uh, just like Patrick Mahomes, he's young right now in the league, and he's going to continue to grow. And he has one of the best, if not the best receiver that he has a good connection with. And I, I truly enjoy watching him play. And I'm probably a little biased, too, because that's the homie. But uh, he's he's one of my favorite quarterbacks. Lamar is definitely one of my favorite quarterbacks just because I love the whole underdog story with Lamar right now. Um, and I played Lamar in college, so I've never looked at him as a underdog, which is crazy how so many people looked at him as an underdog. He came into Louisville, and I think I was either a, uh, I think I was a junior at Florida State. He was starting for Louisville as a freshman. Um, and I just remember we were game planning, and he was the main focus. Like, yo, he can do so much. He can make this team uh, work and blah, blah, this and blah, blah, that. And I remember that that was definitely a focus then. And then watching him grow throughout his college career, win the Heisman, being overlooked in the draft and being the underdog, saying he's a, you know, he's a running back and, uh, all of this and all that. And now you see what he's doing. Um, so I'm happy. I'm excited to see him. And I like watching him play. I mean, he can make he can make the throws that he needs to make. And then, of course, yeah, when he, he's super athletic, when he gets out the pocket, 
I mean, you better be on your P's and Q's or you're going to be on his highlight reel. Patrick Mahomes is a magician. He goes out there, and of course he has good weapons around him. Nobody can deny that, but uh, the way he can extend plays, the way he has a, a rocket launcher for arm, can make every single throw, uh, zips it in, can make the throws that need to have touch on them. Um, just everything he does and how he leads that offense and truly the whole team is uh, is magical, man, for real. Um, and I enjoy watching him as a fan of just the game. I enjoy watching Patrick Mahomes, for sure. I see a little rustle in him, the way he extends plays and can launch it down the field still uh, for his receivers to make plays. I see a, you know, a little bit of, you know, Aaron Rodgers in him, the same way he escapes the pocket and uh, makes every type of throw that you can make. The way he leads his team, I can truly see that he's a, a good leader in a sense like Tom Brady is a, a a great leader. He's unique in his own way for sure. I mean, before him, who was really doing these no-look passes in the NFL? He's kind of made it a trend, and he's pretty good at them. So what can I say about Pat Mahomes that hasn't been said? Sources tell me, you know, I hate when people on TV say that, but this is for real. Sources tell me that they are working on a play where Pat Mahomes throws behind his back. How wild is that? Just think about it, though. There's like a concept where they have like a motion, jet sweep, like all teams do, and there's another guy. And I believe it's because he's right-handed, the receiver is going to be on the left side of the field coming out of the backfield. Of course, it's not deep pass, but like that can be done easily thrown behind his back and then a guy basically coming in motion behind him and catches what would look like a screenplay or a banana route that is going to happen folks and if that does I think it's going to be the first time in the NFL where like NFL fans will look like 90s NBA fans on a fast break you remember 90s NBA fans on a fast break shit was ridiculous Jordan will come and take off from like a step inside the free throw line you look in the crowd one dude is losing his popcorn it was the wild, wild west. And if Mahomes throws a no-look pass, man, they better have extra security because it's going to be straight chaos in those stands. Le'Veon Bell brought up Mahomes, too, and where Tom Brady stacks up in the GOAT conversation as well. Patrick Mahomes is like, what do you call pure talent? I mean, with my own two eyes, I ain't really seen too much talent like that. Because he can scramble, like he can, he can scramble, he can get out of the pocket. You'd be throwing no-look passes. like So I, saw, I could tell he's a basketball player. That's like literally a basketball skill. I mean, talent. I mean, if you want to say talent, I don't think Tom Brady's in the top three if you're talking about pure talent. Like, Jamarcus Russell had talent because, I mean, he can throw the ball 80 yards on his knee. That's like, like, you can't coach that. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was on his knee and he was able to throw the ball 80 yards, but he didn't want to learn the playbook. You know what I'm saying? So that's what separates him from you know, from a guy like Tom Brady. You know what I'm saying? If Tom Brady had Jamarcus Russell's talent, I, I don't think it would be close. That wouldn't even be fair. You know what I'm saying? Tom Brady can throw the ball like that. I don't think, you know, Patrick Mahomes is able to dissect the defense like Tom Brady can. Like, you have your you have your guys who depend on certain things, right? So Michael Vick, he didn't feel like, this is me, my perspective, how I feel about it. Like, I didn't feel like Michael Vick really had to sit down and study as hard as Tom Brady or Peyton Manning did because he probably felt like, Okay, my first read ain't there. My second read ain't there. Oh, I can take off. I can take off. I can go get us 13 yards, right? Tom Brady understood, like, all right, for me to be great at what I do, I know I can't run. I know I can't outrun people and be 
running outside the pocket and throwing, you know, running to my right, throwing all the way across the field to my left. That's not in my game. So I have to really understand the defense to a T and know exactly what defense they're in and know exactly where my throw will be. So I'm not going to sit here and say he's not, a, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever do this or ever play this game because he is. He makes all the right reads. He's super accurate. It was crazy just watching him play. And he had threw one of these outs to Julian Edelman. I was just watching it. And he got caught the ball from the – like, he's in shotgun and he threw it out. And when he caught it, like, he caught the shotgun snap and literally just slung the ball outside. It was so perfect. Like, it was a perfect spiral. It was just crazy. But I was just thinking, like, dang, that's a crazy throw. And people don't even realize it because it was like a six-yard out. He's literally reading the defense as he's doing it. You know, and that's that's hard to do. It's not just the QBs that people are paying attention to. There's a booming crop of talented young running backs in the league, and Lev's not shy about how his skill set compares. Compared to other running backs, to a lot of other running backs, like, I'm not as gifted. You know what I'm saying? I don't think I'm as, like, gifted athletically as maybe, like, some of the, a lot of the other running backs. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I took my time off of – well, I, I, I've learned – you know, really read a defense in a sense. So when people kind of like talk about, oh, he's being patient, you know, and doing things like that, that's because I knew that's what I had to really get good at. And I had to know, learn how to set up my blocks because I'm not going to be able to just outrun everybody. That's not what, like, in my game. Like, I'm not a 4-3 guy. Athletic ability-wise, just natural gift athletic ability-wise, like speed, strength, quickness, and things like that, I think, like, I'm like on a lower scale than people would think. But it's just because I use my mind so much that it looks like I'm a lot more gifted than I am, you know? Because I'm not, like I said, I'm not a 4'3 guy. I'm not jumping 45 inch verticals. You know, my vertical leap was like 35 at the combine. I ran a 4'5 at the combine. You know what I'm saying? That's like average. You know what I'm saying? It's nothing exceptional. So, I, I've learned. I, I learned literally just use my mind. But there are NFL backs that are, that are four three guys, and they've been their whole life since they were seven eight years old playing football. They've been outrunning everybody, so that's how they got to this level. It's like okay, I'm able to have a gap, and I can just outrun everybody, you know. And then you got your backs that's like kind of in the middle, like and I look at like so you got like the backs who like really speedy, like you know like Dalvin Cook. He's like I think he's just like superior. He's just faster than everybody, right? He gets a seam, he's gone. I work out with Dalvin Cook um, in Miami. Um, and Dalvin Cook, like, I, that's why I said I know my speed is not like his because I just see it in person and I done ran with him. I was with him while he was uh, in Miami. We was training at Bomberitos and he's like getting back to his thing. And I, you know, and I, and I was looking at Dalvin like, yeah, Dalvin can be a special player. I can still read the back, I can still read the holes and things too. And I look at like Alvin Kamara like that. Like, I think Alvin Kamara is like, he's not the craziest gifted athlete, but he is athletic. He reads the holes well too. Like he can like take his time to read the holes well and things like that too. You know what I'm saying? Like Christian McCaffrey is another one. I think Saquon Barkley is more of like a natural gift. You know, he's like, I'm stronger, I'm faster, you know, I'm quick, I can change direction. And right now he's young, so I think he's a smart player and he'll eventually get better at just like understanding the schemes of football. I mean, my favorite, my favorite, my favorite ones is uh, Saquon and Christian McCaffrey. Those are my favorite two. Um, but I do like, like I said, I like, I, I love Zeke. I love uh, Alvin Kamara, um, Nick Chubb. Um, see him in person. See him play in person when we played against him. Gave me a different perspective about him.
It's still early in the season, but fans across the league have called out the rest for throwing a lot of flags. During last Thursday's Jags-Titans game, Tom Brady took to Twitter to complain about the number of holding penalties. Lev wasn't too concerned about the calls overall, but he's got one thing in particular he wants the refs to look out for. I done got face masks three times this year and they ain't called one yet. You know what I'm saying? So I'm waiting for him to call face masks for me. This one time, <laughs> I got my head turned three, four times already, and I haven't got one yet. So, I mean, I, once I, if I start complaining about that at some point, I think uh, maybe they'll make that a point of emphasis next year. So maybe I need to start complaining about it. Because I be in the game and I tell them, I tell the refs, and it's like, oh, sorry, we didn't see it. But I'm be thinking, like, don't none of the refs see me get tackled? Like, how are y'all not seeing me get tackled? I, my whole head is turned this way. I just kind of get up and play football. I complain a little bit. You know what I'm saying? They might give me a makeup call later on or something, but I, I just want to I just want to make my make sure my neck just stay intact, you know? I ain't trying to lose my head. <laughs> We're going to finish up this episode with good vibes and stories from inside the undefeated Bills locker room with Cole Beasley and fellow wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie. Before we get there, it's time for Quick Outs, where our guys talk about their off-the-field passions, hobbies, and whatever else makes them more than athletes. This week, both Lev and Jalen talk about their games on the basketball court. Maybe there's a one-on-one matchup in the future. Let's go to Lev. I'm like the, the LA Fitness slash Lifetime Fitness LeBron James. I don't know if everybody know that, but I play a lot of basketball. You know, I can score whenever I want, literally. Like, I can go there, you know, I can do whatever I want. Like, literally, I, I can dribble, penetrate, shoot, dunk, threes, it's whatever. But I'm, like, pass first, if that makes sense. So it's like, when I beat my man, it's kind of like I'm just dishing it off more so than, like, trying to score. You get what I'm saying? So I'm more of, like, a pass first guy, but I can go get a bucket whenever I want to get a bucket. If all the players in the NFL play one-on-one basketball tournament, who will win? That wouldn't even be close. Lev Bell. Anybody that can beat the tournament, I'm taking all challengers. If anybody think they can beat me one-on-one in basketball, please let's do it. Let's line it up and do it. Here's Jalen. Man, I'm going to have to get I'm gonna have to get a couple of my teammates, AJ, Leonard, D.D. Westbrook. I'm going to have to get a couple of my teammates on this uh, on this, on, on this this podcast to vouch for me. Because these basketball, I'm a, I'm a bucket. I'm a walking bucket, like Tyler Hero said. I'm a walking bucket. And I ain't. I think the only person who could probably beat me in one on one is LeBron James. One on one, I'm undefeated. Like LeVar Ball used to say, I'm undefeated one on one. I ain't never lost. Let's go to Cole. I'm super excited. My alma mater, SMU, is 4 0 with a big win over TCU this weekend. You know, I have, have some stories about my times there. I have this memory. It's not, it's not one of my best memories, but <laughs> it's, it's kind of a funny one. You know, I was at a party with my teammates. I wasn't much of a drinker at the time, but that night I had a little too much, had a little too much fun with my with my boys. And luckily I had my, my future wife, who's my girlfriend at the time. Um, she was with me and she wasn't drinking. She drove me home. Well, she thought she was driving me home. About five minutes into the trip, the car was, she wasn't even driving that fast, but it was making me dizzy and nauseous. I, I felt like I was about to throw up. So I told her to pull the car over. She lets me out just at this random person's house. I'm just in the front yard, just blowing chunks. So and then she's yelling at me while I'm blowing chunks. I, I mean, I'm about to pass out. I'm so tired. She's yelling at me. She's like, "You need to get in here. The, the cars are gonna see you. Intoxicated. You're gonna get in trouble." So I started crawling into the bushes at this house, like right up by their front door. And I take about a 30-minute nap. No lie, it was literally 30 minutes before I finally get back in the car and 
I made it home. My wife has been taking care of me for a long time. I'm married to good ones. And now it's time for our first guest of the season on 17 Weeks. Here's Bills wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie sitting down with our guy Cole straight from his home studio. The two teammates discuss making it to the league as undersized wide receivers. Their oh shit, I'm in the NFL moment sent Cole's game day demeanor, plus pregame speeches and much, much more. Cole, take it away. All right, hey guys, this week I got my first guest with me, um, Isaiah McKenzie. So I'm going to let him kind of tell you guys a little bit about himself. Uh, hey everyone, it's Isaiah McKenzie um, from Miami, Florida, born and raised. I went to the University of Georgia, got drafted fifth round to the Denver Broncos, had a, a, a tough rookie season. It was very tough. Uh, my second year, I ended up coming to the Bills and um, they took me in like family. And um, ever since then, I've been I've been here. Right now, we're 3-0 and um, I'm loving the way the team looks. All right, so I know, you know, coming up as a small receiver, you know, how my journey was. Well, being six foot, that um, that kind of, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> He's not being, six foot. <laughs> being five, seven, uh, yeah, they put a lot of uh, limitations on me. Like, they won't throw me fades. Uh, <laughs> you know, they feel like they can't, you know, throw me the, the jump ball and things like that. But, um. I've heard all type of things like, "Oh, he's too small to, you know, break tackles. He's too, he's too, his hands are too little. Um, he has the speed, but can he separate? Um, can he get, a, you know, get off release and things like that?" So, you know, I've, I've, I tend to, you know, prove, you know, people wrong most of the time. And um, each and every day, I go out on the field and I, I kind of try to do the same thing each and every day. Try to show them that I can be that guy that's six four. Even though I'm five seven, let's I, go. I can be that guy that's six four that can jump, catch the ball, <laughs> that can break tackles and uh, be elusive and you know change the game. No, really. When I was coming up, I was always looking for a guy uh, that was similar to me. So I think I think the first guy I really started watching was Steve Smith, and then naturally Wes Welker. He had a lot of the tools that I had. But I mean, really, my favorite receiver overall was Randy Moss. But you know, I knew I really couldn't be that. So, <laughs> what receivers, um, Isaiah, did you look up to coming out? Oh man, yeah, it's crazy that you said that. Uh, Steve Smith was one of my favorites, only because uh, when I was little, when I started playing football, when I was nine years old, and um, my team was called Golden Glaze Panthers. So ever since then, <laughs> ever since then, I always liked the Carolina Panthers, but I didn't know no players at the time. And then I seen him '89, and his name was Steve Smith, and I'm like, okay, that's my favorite receiver. And then as I got older, I started watching like Tavon Austin, DeAnthony Thomas, and those guys. So okay, I just started, Big Tay with the shout out, <laughs> my dog. So I started watching those guys, and I started, you know, you know, feeling myself. I'm like, okay, they're small. I can do the same thing they're doing. When I first got in the league, my first camp, you know, it kind of took a while before it really hit me um, that I was in the NFL. I mean, it was just football. You know, it is, it is for. And I think it is for most guys when when you're coming out, you really don't have time to think about like, hey, I'm in the NFL. But my first really like, oh shit, I'm in the NFL moment was it was actually a day in camp, a day in practice. They asked me to kind of block the backside of a run play, and the backside of that run play happened to be Demarcus Ware. I did, I gave it my all, I did my best. Uh, <laughs> he, he straight up sucker punched me right in the mouth and my tooth went through my bottom lip that was probably like the first day we were in pats that was my oh shit moment uh, about being in the NFL what about yours? I would have to say uh, my rookie season we are playing the Chiefs 
And um, I caught, I was taking out a kick return that I probably shouldn't have took out. But uh, I took out a kick return. The guy was probably like 6'4", 6'5", 230, 240 maybe. And he hit me dead in the stomach. <laughs> he hit me dead in the stomach. I'm returning it. I'm like, oh. So I got back up, threw the ball to the ref. I went to the sideline. And the coach goes, oh, they hit hard. I'm like, yeah, coach. Uh, after the season, I'm about to retire. <laughs> so he started, I got him to chuckle and got him to laugh. But um, it was cold. It was like pretty, probably like 30-something degrees. And I was ready to go home. And um, he was like, uh, Isaiah, go back there on kick return. You know, they just scored. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. So I was like, oh, shit. That was my oh, shit moment. <laughs> for for those of you who don't know, when it's cold outside, those hits sting a lot more. <laughs> they hurt, they hurt Anyways, bad. There was never a time, you know, I was really starstruck seeing any player coach, not that I know of that I can remember. Isaiah, is there, is there anybody <laughs> that you, you saw and you were like, damn, that's. I would have to say Vaughn. You know, oh, when really? I got there in my rookie year, I'm like, you know, that's fine. And then I I really started to get starstruck when I seen his house, I seen his cars. I'm like, yo, he's a he's amazing. <laughs> and I seen him play yeah. on the field. I'm like, oh, man, this is like, this is the, you know. And we played Monday night against uh, the Chargers. That was our first game of the season, my first game as a rookie. And um, what he did that night was incredible. And when I saw him get, I saw him play in person. On the same field as him, so it was like it was pretty cool. So I was pretty starstruck up on. See, that makes sense. See, I don't go anywhere. I'm a homebody, so I ain't, <laughs> I ain't seen nobody's house as a rookie. So, um, well, he likes people to come over his house. I mean, his life his life can get pretty boring, like with all the money and. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like get pretty boring. So you know, I, I try to you know I try to comfort him. Okay. <laughs> You ever heard like a coach say the best pregame speech you ever heard that just had you wanted to run through a building? Um, Cause I'm trying to think back, and the only one I remember is like my dad in high school. You know what I mean? I mean the best pregame speech from McDermott. Like Garrett, just... anybody. Garrett was a pretty good speaker at Dallas, but um, there's not there's not one just like I got one. I got um, sticks out to me like um, that. One of my coaches from high school, Mario Perez. Uh, we were about to play state championship, and um, this is our first state championship in American Heritage history. Um, so we were going in there, and we're in the locker room, and the the, the team next to us was playing a lot of music, and it was like F Heritage, you know, forget Heritage, you know, the F word. And um, I go, uh, the coach goes, you hear that? You hear that? <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, uh, yeah. We, you know, we was just quiet. We was like, whatever. You know, he was like, you hear that? They, they're saying that? I'm like, okay, cool. And he goes, listen, listen to me. He goes, listen to me. He goes, if you, if I jump off a bridge, I hope everybody's with me because I'm going out here, I'm going out here, I'm calling these plays like I'm about to die. I'm like, what? <laughs> and for some reason, I got the chills because he was like, yo, I'm doing everything in my power to end their life. I'm like, Whoa. So I'm in there. I'm like, when the game started, we ended up winning 68 to three. And um, I said, Coach, you know what? I'm jumping off that bridge with you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was my, that was one. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. All right. You know what? Zay told me I was too much on game day. The uh, way I act. How do uh, I act on game day? Uh, well, just before the game, you're like, let's party. And, you know, you got all, <laughs> you got all the these fans, things. The fans don't know but me like this. When I'm, what I see, you know, because I'm always just looking at everybody, and I see you going up and down the sideline, and you're like, oh, man, 
he got lucky that play. He got lucky. I'm like, whoa, go away. <laughs> like, he got lucky for what? He was like, I was open. He lucky he didn't throw it to me. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, I guess when we watch the film, he'll know to throw it to you next time. You know what I'm saying? But I remember the Giants game. He was like, uh, why did he switch that? I would... I was I was gonna kill him. Thirty four got lucky today. He, told me that. <laughs> he goes thirty four got lucky today. I'm like, yeah, I guess he got lucky. But um, yeah, what I see up inside the sideline is like you're like you're you're hyped up, and um, and it seems like every time you get on the field, you you destroyed somebody. I'm always watching, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm always watching. So I'm like, okay, yeah, he got him, you know. But you know, I just, I just. I'm one of, I'm one of them dudes that talk shit on the sideline. I don't say shit on the field. Nothing on the field. Yo, nobody hits you too hard. Like yo, I don't want to talk. I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? But that's what I see. And Zay, you know, Zay obviously sees the same thing. But Zay says I'm too much. I see. I see people being quiet on the sideline. I try to, I try to get in their ear a little bit and try to get them, give them some juice. But they don't want to hear it. You know, some guys kind of stay in their zone and. And don't really talk, but I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm ready to party. Yeah, I feel you. As a six man of the year, uh, I just try to stay hyped on the sideline. <laughs> no question. Yeah, you know, six man of the year. I gotta, I gotta cheer my teammates on. And when I get in, I get in, I get out. You yeah, but you, you make plays when you get in there. That's what I'm talking about. I've been six there, man. Six man of the year. Got a tough Wednesday tomorrow. Tough Wednesday. Tomorrow. Nobody looks forward to Wednesday. It's full pad day. When you're listening to us, it doesn't seem like it's much just to just to put on uh, some pants. I don't even put my pads in my pants, so. I'm over here, I'm over yeah. here bitching and complaining. And I don't even, I don't even put my pads on my pants. Just put my shoulder pads and my helmet on. I don't know. I think it's just because it's close to the game. Everybody's still sore. You put full pads on, it makes you feel like you're gonna go out here and, and hit everybody. Even though we don't really, we don't really hit like that. Especially us at receivers. I know I don't touch anybody on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be upset if somebody touches me on Wednesday. Really, Thursday's probably our hard day. But yeah. Thursday's our hard day because we got our. We got to run more routes than, than in the damn game, it seems like. <laughs> it's just pass day and third down day and red zone day. So, you know, Dave likes to throw the rocks. We're just throwing it and running downfield like chickens with our head cut off on Thursday. Uh, as a receiver group, though, it's it's pretty fun. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's a little loose. It's a little, when it's time to get, when it's time to, you know, do our job, we do our job. When it's time to, you know, crack a little joke, crack a joke, and we just... You know, we don't mix business with pleasure, but you know, we get the job done. Well, we do have a little bit of pleasure. I had, I had actually this week. Um, you know, I had I had all the guys over. Well, I tried to get all the guys over. All of them didn't come, but the majority of them came. <laughs> uh, I got I actually made my dad cook out on the grill because I don't really, I don't really do much cooking. Um, but luckily, my dad was in town, so we had a little barbecue. Um, all of them came over, um, hung out a little bit, played with my kids. Kind of warm out for me, um, so it's good to kind of get together and and uh, you know have those things so we can be closer as a unit. You know, when you get close with your teammates, um, it makes it easier to to you know go that extra mile for those guys on the field. Um, that's what we that's what we did last. You know, as a group, we just kind of hung out together at my house. Nothing, nothing crazy. Watched the deer outside in the backyard. I don't know if Isaiah's ever seen a deer before. No, I mean, I actually. Uh... Hit it there once in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. With somebody else's car and I had to pay her. But I'm like, yeah, Yo, you got to wait till I get to the pros so I can pay you back. <laughs> but um, but um, I still didn't pay her since I, you know, since uh, But that's her fault for letting me drive. Yeah, like, we, we, we have I want to know, I, this is a question that I've been wanting to ask. Yeah. Is who controls the music in the locker room? 
Like it gives me a damn headache. Is he, are you talking about the one before the game? In the game. Pre, I do not, pre-game, who controls the music? I, I, I caught Ed one time, and that was in New oh, York. Oh, no, he got to hand the ox cord over. <laughs> it was Ed one time. Other times, I don't know. I guess we get there too late. I mean, and they turn it so loud. I mean, I'm a damn headache before <laughs> I even get hit. And people always want to know if I play my shit in the locker room, and I don't, so. Oh, we heard uh, a couple of yours. Though. We, heard, we, heard, we heard one banger, though. I, I, I don't know the name of I'm it. I'm not. I feel like I haven't put my best shit out there yet, so <laughs> I don't play it in the— I'm not going to play it in the locker room until I know everybody's really vibing with it like that. And until then, like, people hear it now and they're like, okay, you know, he raps a little bit, but it's nothing they really want to keep playing right now. So I don't really play my music in there. I refuse to do so. I don't even like hearing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, not, damn. But I'm not really a big rap fan anyway. I'm a Sam Smith fan, so it doesn't really matter. Okay. And now, uh, tell them what you listen to on the way to the airport. So I got my... <laughs> <laughs> I got my Spanish music, my Osuna, my Anuel... <laughs> <laughs> I got all my Spanish people uh, Shout out to all the Puerto Ricans out there Isaiah says he's Puerto Rican He is not Puerto Rican Listen it can't, Listen Yeah think about it My granddad is Puerto Rican My mom's Puerto Rican My grandma was black But You know what I'm saying I don't believe your mom is Puerto Rican She's really Puerto Rican Yeah I don't believe you You speak Speak Spanish You know what I'm saying You, you can speak Spanish Speak Spanish right now <laughs> What do you <laughs> I can't, I can't, you call me out. I can't right now because it's, it's like, I have to be, you know, in the moment. All right. <laughs> All right, Isaiah, I appreciate you joining me on my podcast. Maybe if you're lucky, I'll bring you back, but probably not. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> it's your boy DJ Sour Milk, and um, <laughs> I'm, I'm off the track. I hope you enjoyed this episode of 17 Weeks. The show is brought to you by Uninterrupted, SiriusXM, and Pandora. You can listen to it on demand on SiriusXM and for free on the Pandora app. And wherever you listen, be sure to subscribe so you can get notified every time we drop an episode on Thursday. And if you like what you heard, which I know that you do, spread love, share the show. You know how it go. You digging the flow? I'm your host, Nate B. Shout out to my co-hosts, Le'Veon Bell, Jalen Ramsey, and Cole Beasley. Thanks again to Isaiah McKenzie for joining Cole in studio. This show is produced by Gabe Goodwin, Ben Redman, and Matt Ford. Sound design and music by Steve Porter. Our executive producer is T.D. St. Matthew Daniel for Uninterrupted. Special shout out on this episode to Gabby Goldberg, Cody Moore, and Ann Pierce. Until next week, we out.